Hello, good morning, or afternoon, or evening, whatever time you're listening to this. Good day, night, good time. Um, I'm going to start with a update on the bone marrow biopsy today just because I had asked you guys to pray about that last week and a lot of people texted me about it so if you already know um skip ahead but basically thank you all so much for your prayers the biopsy went terrible so I don't want to say that the prayers didn't work but um feel like they didn't work um I don't blame you guys I don't blame God but whoo that was an experience that I never, ever, 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 ever want to go through ever again in my life. Um, but <laughs> the short version is the sedative didn't work, the pain meds didn't work, and the numbing meds didn't work. <laughs> and I, it's a very short procedure. Like the, um, they did a CT along with it, which made it more of like a 10 to 15 minute procedure but like the biopsy itself only takes like five minutes but it takes like an hour to prep and then you're just like waiting and waiting and waiting for the room and the doctor um and then you go in and it doesn't take so significantly long um so that I guess it's it's nice that it was quick (laughs) um but I was in significant pain and highly anxious and like literally when the when the doctor like use a little drill to like force the needle down into my bone um i just like screamed and flinched and the doctor was like oh no can you feel that and i was like yeah and then he freaked out and was like yelling for the nurse and the nurse ran over and he's like did you not give her the medicine and she's like oh my gosh i did give her the medicine and I was like it was straight straight out of Grey's Anatomy. Like, you cannot make this up. Um, So anyway, I have filed a complaint with the hospital and I am currently arguing with them about what portions of this experience I'm willing to be billed for. It's a whole hot mess. Um, But I start with that little story time to get into my topic today, which is why do we ask people how they are? Because talking to people about this biopsy has yielded, I guess, first of all, having the biopsy at all has caused a lot of people to check in on me, which is is great. That's lovely. I think you absolutely should check on your friends and family members on a regular basis. Um, But it's also yielded a lot of different reactions that has me asking, like, why do we ask people how they are? Like, I feel like... Over time, how are you has just become another way to say good morning or good afternoon. Like in general, when you walk into a room, you say, hi, how are you? And you expect the person to say, I'm fine and you and them to say, I am fine or good or whatever. And then just move on. Like it's just it's small talk. But I feel like with us therapy generations, (laughs) when we ask how are you? We really want to know. And we now understand that how are you is a question. And 
the answer, if it's honest, could be long. And how are you really and truly opens up like a longer and a deeper conversation. So I feel like if you don't have the time and space to give to somebody, if they're not doing well, then you shouldn't be asking how they are. You should just say hi, end it there. Good day, nice weather we're having, you know, whatever it is. And I think about this because shout out to Denise, who like when I told her about the biopsy, like all she said was something to the effect of, I'm so sorry that happened to you. I'm so sorry you had such a bad experience. Like, I know you and I were talking about, like, she she knows. Like, I was on the phone with her, like, agonizing over, like, who to bring with me. I was very, I mean, you guys heard last week. Like, I was very anxious about it. I was very, very, very highly, like, anxious going into it. And so to have it go so badly. And then I had a literal panic attack when I came out of it and like three nurses had to come over and hold me down and they're all just like oh you're okay it's over but then they all kept saying like this is so weird this has never happened before nobody's ever reacted this way and that just made me feel crazy and I had talked to a friend of mine that works in the medical field and she was like well didn't they like after they gave gave you the sedative didn't they like talk to you they're supposed to ask a series of questions to like make sure that it took effect and I was like nope she literally put the medicine in the IV and walked away and then same thing with the numbing needle like the doctor told me like all right I'm putting the numbing needle and now you're gonna feel that and then you'll be numb and I was like cool and so <laughs> color me surprised when a minute later I feel another needle going much deeper and I'm like, hmm, guess I'm not numb. But he did not like tap around the area or like poke it with other sharp objects to like say, can you feel this? Can you feel this? Like there was no testing like that of any kind. And so like Denise knew the whole thing of like how anxious I was. And she's just like, I'm so like, I know like everybody was praying and we were all like, um, hoping this was going to just be quick and easy. And I'm so, so sorry that it did not go that way and just kind of left it there. That was the end of the conversation. Whereas I had a different friend where, who said, okay, but it's over now, right? And I was like, well, yeah, but I still <laughs> like had a very traumatic experience. And she was like, well, at least it's over. Like, just so dismissive. And it really pissed me off. (laughs) So I just stopped responding to that girl. Like, I just ended the conversation there. And then when she texted me the next day to ask, like, how my day was going, I was like, it's not great. Like, I just got off the phone with patient relations filing a complaint with the hospital. And she was like, oh, shit, what did they do? And I was like, did you not read my text yesterday that you were, like, super dismissive, just being like, oh, well, it's over. And so I sent her like a very, very, very long text, like detailing the experience step by step. And then she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like nobody should have to go through that. And so just like a tip for everybody listening, validating people's feelings is really, really easy. All you have to do is repeat back what you heard them say. This is actually a hostage negotiation technique. Um, I think they call it mirroring, where like you just repeat 
kind of the end of a phrase or sentence that somebody says because it keeps them talking. So like if somebody says, for example, I really like your sweatshirt and you say my sweatshirt, they'll say, yeah, it's blue. Like I really like that color. And you'll be like, you really like the color blue? And they'll be like, yeah. And they'll then they'll tell like some story about why they like the color blue or whatever. Um, and it it buys for hostage negotiators. This buys time. Of course, this is not a hostage negotiation. But Chris Voss, who teaches the masterclass on hostage negotiation, his argument is that we're all in little negotiations all day, every day. So he says, if you want something from another person, you are in a negotiation and it can be something as simple as like wanting your kid to clean up their room. Like you're in a negotiation. And so one technique to like keep people talking is this mirroring thing. So I feel like if you have a friend that complains too much, the friend can be me. Okay. If I'm talking to you and you feel like I'm complaining too much and you want to end the conversation, then when I am like, the biopsy went terrible, you can be like, oh, I'm so sorry the biopsy went terrible. And I'll be like, thank you. And then we'll move on. But if you say it a question, right? If I say the biopsy went terrible and you say it went terrible, you now mirrored with a question and I'm going to like dive into the story more. That's the number one thing that I am looking for in most of my conversations is to have my feelings validated because I feel like my entire life, my parents were just constantly crushing my feelings and telling me that I was being dramatic. Um, So I like gravitate toward people that validate my feelings. And I don't think that they crush my feelings on purpose, but it's even like my dad called to like ask how I was doing. And I was like, not great because none of the meds worked and I was getting kind of worked up. And he like, if I am not like, if I am not calm and chill and boring, my dad does not want to talk to me. Like, he doesn't want to talk to me when I'm, ex- like, excited in a good mood. He doesn't want to talk to me when I'm in a bad mood. He doesn't want to talk to me when I'm sad or mad. Like, he literally only wants to speak to me if I'm, like, nice weather we're having. <laughs> so I'm just, like, why are you speaking to me ever? Because um, he literally called, and I was, like, not doing great because, like, all these things that I just told you guys. And he was, like, sounds like they didn't give you enough medicine. And I was, like, nope, they did not. And he's like, well, it's over now. And I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. And he's like, so you're doing fine now? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, all right, that's all I wanted. Hangs up the phone. And then he calls again the next day and asks me the same question. So I just said that I'm fine. And he said, okay, cool. And like hung up. And I'm literally like, why did you even call me? <laughs> what did you want? What was the purpose? Because you you called so that I would say that I'm fine. So you could like, I did a good deed. I checked on someone. But like, if I said that I'm not fine, what are you going to do? Right? Like, you're not going to come over. You're not going to comfort me. You're not going to go to the hospital and yell at people. Like, so what do you care if I'm fine or not? Because you're not going to do anything if I'm not fine. Um, And I am guilty of this too. Before anyone thinks that I'm like sitting here on my high horse, like thinking that I'm so perfect. Like, I'm absolutely guilty of the same thing. Um, Literally the same day that I had this conversation with my dad, I was in a work meeting and I host our community events at work. So there's one woman at work that always shows up to these events five minutes early. And so almost every single time I have to make awkward small talk with the same woman because I join the meetings early to test the screen share 
and make sure that everything is test, you know, volume and make sure everything's working as it's supposed to. Um, so I get in the meeting and then she joins the meeting and I was like, Oh, Hey, how are you doing? And she said, do you mind if I give you a longer answer? And quite frankly, I did mind because I was about to start an event and a whole bunch of other people were joining the meeting shortly. But I was like, well, it's it would be rude to say no. Um, also, I wasn't looking at her because I was testing the screen share. So I like closed down the screen share, pop back over to Teams. And I'm like, yeah, of course you can take more time. Like what's going on? Um, and then she was telling me about how she had to put her dog down the other day and started sobbing. Um, and as you all know, I am not an animal person, so I cannot relate. Um, not that I don't think it's sad. Like I understand that it's sad, but I just mean in the same way that like I have, I have never lost, um, anyone close to me to death. Like I have, I have lost, I have like lost people that I have loved in terms of like breakups. I've been through a lot of friend breakups and those have been like really hard, but, I don't know anyone that has died and I don't, um, that was close to me. Sorry. I mean, like I have grandparents that have died, but I wasn't, I didn't have relationships with them. Um, but same thing where like, I've never had a pet. Like I've never, and even now that my parents have a pet, I'm very like, that dog is not part of the family to me. He's like a foreign stranger. Cause I'm just not an animal person. So I'm, I'm not the person that I think anyone is going to call when they have to put their dog down because like, they're like, she has not been through it. She can't empathize. She doesn't know what's going on. So I was definitely struggling to like be on teams with this woman that was sobbing about her dog. And I was just, so I decided to just like use the skill and I just mirrored and she was like, he really was a part of the family. And I was like, he really was a part of the family. And she's like, yeah. And he had a long life. He had a good life. And I was like, that's, it's great that he had a good life. And then she started telling me about how she's got a friend of her staying with her. And I was like, that's great. I don't think that anyone should be alone when they're going through a loss like this. Um, but I will like, I think she felt better um, and then more people joined the meeting and we kind of had to tell the story a couple times and then we were able to like shift into like what we were all there to meet for. Um, but I did talk to her again the next day and she like appreciated like having been given the time and space and like not being dismissed up front, but with like dealing with this heavy thing that like she needed to cry in that moment. And like we gave her the space to do that. Um, and I feel like crying makes a lot of people uncomfortable, uh, generally it does not make me uncomfortable, but in a work setting it does. Like I'm like, we're, this is a work meeting. Why are you crying? Um, so, but you know, I opened, I opened up the floor to say like, how are you doing? You know? And I should have just said, hi, good to see you moved on. Um, and I think that is something that not enough people, consider like I remember when I was in high school managing the boys track team like one of the coaches was also my math teacher um but he only taught me for a semester so like but he was the coach for like 
three, two or three years that I managed the track team. So like I had a relationship with him as a coach, like before he was my teacher and then he was my teacher. And then I had a relationship as the coach, like after he was my teacher. And so this man, unfortunately knew every single detail of my 16, 17 year old life. (laughs) And I vividly remember like multiple times that like, he'd be like, Hey, how are you doing? And I would just shake my head and be like, you don't want to (laughs) know. Just like dramatically walk away because my life was so dramatic and some boy didn't love me or whatever it was. My ex-boyfriend brought his new girlfriend into the tent at a track meet and like I lost my shit. Um, But there was this one day that he like, took a step back and he's like, Samantha, if I didn't want to know, I wouldn't ask. And I wish that I had been able to appreciate that at the time. Um, But I was very like, you're old, you won't understand. He was like literally 24. He was a baby. This man was fresh out of college and had no business working at a high school. Oh my gosh, what a mess. Um, oh, he was great. I hope he's well, but I just wish that I had had the, like the knowledge that I have now to know, like how profound that was that he was like, I'm not going to ask how you're doing. If I don't care about how you're doing, like, of course I care. And I want to hear, and I want to like sit and know the things. And I do want to acknowledge that if you're a person that like is not good with emotions and you can't handle people like crying or being angry or sad or whatever, that doesn't mean that you don't care. I do think that it's helpful to ask yourself what you want from the conversation first. Like before you say, how are you? Ask yourself, like, what do I want from this person? Is is this the start of a meeting at work and I just want to make some small talk to pass the time until everyone's here? Then I need to be like, it's cold in here or talk about the weather or like something generic like that, Um, you know, or if it's like, I want to know if this person is physically well. I just want to yes or no frame the question that way. Or I want to know if this person needs anything from me. I want to know if there's something that I can do to help them. That's also a different question. Like, hey, do you need anything? Is there anything I can get you? Also a different question than how are you? So like if you're more of like an acts of service person, go with the how can I help you or can I help you with anything route. It's also interesting because we have to remember that like everybody is looking for different things. Like I know a few weeks ago I talked about the golden rule and how stupid it is because it's like in order to treat others as you want to be treated, that assumes that everybody wants to be treated the same way. Where, like, I feel like a disconnect that, like, I have with the rest of my family is, like, I don't ask a lot of questions because I am a sharer. So, like, all you have to do is ask me how I'm doing or how my day went and I'm going to talk for 30 minutes. I mean, like, hello, I have a podcast. (laughs) Um, But if you ask me how I'm doing and I say fine, that means I don't want to talk about it. It doesn't mean I'm fine. I'm never fine. (laughs) Like, I am always happy or sad or like, you know, something in between, but I'm never fine. Like fine is my leave me alone. I don't want to discuss it. And I feel like most of my family is like that, 
But the rest of my family, like if you, if you're like, how are you doing? And they say fine. And you're like, "Mm, you don't sound fine. I don't think you're fine. And you ask 75 more times, like then they'll let it out. And I honestly will do the same thing because my mom does this to me all the time. And it's just like, if you poke enough, I will answer just to get you to shut up because you're annoying me. But that's very different from me sharing with you because I want you to know. And so because I am like that, I don't poke. Like if I ask somebody how they're doing and they say fine and they leave it at that, I leave it at that. Even if they don't sound fine or they don't look fine, I am not the type of person to press because I don't want to have to drag it out of you. Like I want you to know that I am a safe person to share with and I want you to feel connected enough to me. I, like I want to be a person that you want to share things with. And I feel like if you're not openly sharing things with me, then I'm not a person that you want to share with. And like, that's sad, but I'm not gonna force you or drag it out of you. But I really do feel like one of the core needs of all humans is to belong and to feel seen and feel heard and feel known. And I feel like one of the steps to making other people feel seen and heard and known is to really listen to them and sit with them and meet them where they're at. And I think it's something as simple as doing the mirroring, the mirroring thing, of course it can be overdone, right? Like I've worked in many different customer service settings. And so I know the tricks and I know how to bullshit, but I also know when I'm being bullshitted. So that's annoying. So like the patient relations department at the hospital, like the lady that I have been talking to, like she is so trained because she doesn't even let me get a word in. It's like, as soon as I call and I verify my name and birthday, she is like, Samantha, you are the one that had the traumatic bone marrow biopsy. Oh my goodness. I read the email you sent to your doctor and the notes from all of the calls. And I am so, so sorry. Like we we have not found a satisfactory resolution for you. And I know that you spoke with the supervisor of the radiology apartment this morning, and she was extremely rude and just had a tone that made you feel like she didn't care at all. And was very like, y'all, this woman. So they did like an investigation and they asked all the people, um, they allegedly talked to the doctor and all the nurses involved and whatever and interviewed everybody. And then the nurse supervisor of radiology calls me and she leaves me a message. And she says, like in this tone, she says, hi, I'm so-and-so title, blah, blah, blah. I'm calling to speak to Samantha um, to see how you're doing. And I guess address your grievance with us. Uh, if you want to give me a call back, <laughs> so, like that's literally how she said it. So like I call her back, like already expecting the attitude and she's like, so you're fine. And I was like, yeah, I am fine now. And she said, okay, well they gave you the medicine. I don't know why it didn't work. And I'm like, that's all you got for me. And she's like, yep, it's all I got. Don't know why it didn't work. And I'm like, seriously, that's what, that's what you called me to say. 
And she was like, we actually gave you twice the amount that we usually give. So I don't know why it didn't work. There's nothing in your chart that would say that it didn't work. And it's like, look, y'all, I know that she's not going to admit to anything. Like they can't admit fault because then they allow themselves to be sued. And like I, you know, when you go get procedures done, you have to sign 8 million consent forms so that you can't sue them. Like I'm aware of that. And she's aware of that. But it's like, there is a way to acknowledge my feelings without admitting fault to anything, you know, like she could have said, I see here that like the medicine was definitely administered. Um, clearly there's something going on where the dose was not high enough. So I am so sorry that you were fully awake and alert your entire procedure, because that is a fact So like you can admit to facts. You don't have to say, I'm sorry that the nurse did not correctly discern whether you were loopy or not and just walked away. I, you know, wasn't asking for all that, but you could have said like something, which is why I had to go back to the relations department. I'm like still fighting. Um, But it's the kind of thing where there's like a, there's a happy medium Because if you do it too much, like, so back to the lady in the patient relations department, like, it's just like, she knows the drill and she knows the thing to where it's all, she almost like is so sweet and lays it on so thick that I feel like she doesn't care because I know that it's her job. And that was the issue that I had when I used to work in a call center. It's like, you know, you just get the script and you're like, I'm so sorry to hear that your sandwich was missing a piece of cheese. That's really, oh, that would ruin my lunch. Like, no, it was like, why are you calling Get off the phone? Um, but I just do think that it is helpful to like acknowledge what you are hearing. Also, like just really in any conversation, like in a similar way to like when you meet somebody new, you're supposed to repeat their name I think like three to five times back in the conversation to lock it into your memory. It's that similar kind of thing where when somebody is talking, like repeat things that they have said back to them, both to let them know that you are listening well and also on your end to help you actually listen well and not just think about the next thing that you're going to say are like waiting for their next break in the conversation. Um, short episode this week because it's really late on Tuesday night and I'm very tired. So moving right into the movie recommendation of the week. It is the Hunger Games prequel, A Ballad of Songbird and Snakes. I literally just got back from this movie and it is epic (laughs) like oh my gosh I'm such a fan I loved it so I loved and hated it so much at the same time it is a roller coaster it is a roller coaster series of anxiety attacks like oh my gosh I was like internally yelling (laughs) at the screen the whole movie I was so anxious But like, I loved it. Like, I just, I think it is brilliant. I think the 
character development is it's truly genius. Like it is done so, so well. And I was very, very, very impressed. I gave it four out of five stars on Letterboxd because there were some things that I found confusing. Um, so I'm going to need to watch it again. And also there were some motivations for certain characters that I needed to be stronger. Um, also I never cried. (laughs) I really wanted to cry. Um, but nobody, nothing that happened moved me enough to cry, but I did. I don't, I haven't watched the Hunger Games trilogy in a while. So maybe I need to go back and watch those, but I felt like this one was way more violent and just way darker. Um, and just like, Oh yeah. Like sad. I was like, Oh yikes. Like it's just the whole movie. I was like, it can't get worse. And it just kept getting worse, but like, it's still, it really, 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 um, for those that don't know, it's, um, it's this, like the origin story of president snow from the trilogy. And if you happen to be totally unfamiliar with the hunger games series, like president snow is the villain. Like he is the, the mean, angry villain that everybody hates in the trilogy. So this is like his origin story set a million years ago. So he's like a teenager and he's the protagonist. And it's just fascinating to see how he becomes the man that like we know from the other movies mostly because like he's so sweet and wonderful for so much of the movie that you're constantly asking like how are we gonna get from here to there and you might miss it pay attention you can't miss it Viola Davis, 10 out of 10. Like, I mean, she never, she never does not give a thousand percent to all her performances, but like that woman blew me away. Absolutely blew me away. Okay, bye. See you next time. I'm not here to sugarcoat that's already up on the road. Too much shelter causes pain. Let's just be real honest. Things are gonna knock you down. Avoidance will not help you. Well, let's talk it through here, me and you. Let's keep it real honest.